morning, as we turn to Scripture, we turn to what's called an apocalypse. It's a parable from Jesus about the afterlife for those of us who are not yet a part of the afterlife. It's written for us here to hear it. Um, And it's a picture of what might be to come. Now, most Christians and most of us in this room probably could tell you uh, at least what we think God has told us about the afterlife. We could give you or we could give one another John 3.16 that whoever believes in the Son of God will live forever with God in heaven. But there are other places in the Gospels that push us beyond the simple acknowledgement of saying we believe in God in order to get into heaven. I'm thinking a little bit here about like Matthew 25 where Jesus tells the story about when the, you know, when the age to come comes and the sheep are separated from the goats. Everybody's going to ask why and the answer is going to be in as much as you have done for the least of these, you've done it for me. There's other verses, other passages that remind us that our faith without works is dead, that faith that has no impact on the way we live is not much of a faith at all. And this passage functions in that vein. It reminds us that we have to put our faith into action and allow our faith to bring about an awareness of those needs that are around us that our faith without works might not be worth very much at all. This is a parable for us as people of faith, even today, especially today. And so let's hear what the Lord is saying to us through this parable from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. There was a rich man who dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered in sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, Remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us is a great chasm. A great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house. I have five brothers. I want them warned so that they will not also come into this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses 
and the prophets. They should listen to them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but, but if someone goes and tells them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, if, if they didn't listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think it was February of 2014. Natalie was away on a business trip, and Cam and I were here in Oxford. School was going to be let out at 11 a.m. because snow was coming, but Cam wasn't feeling well, so he stayed home anyway. I was dreading three days of being trapped in the house, and so I decided that we were going to get out before the snow came. And Greg Fischel told me the snow wasn't coming until about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The Lego movie was showing at South Point, so I did the math, and we went to the movies. And Greg Fischel was wrong. (laughs) We came out of the movie, and there was snow everywhere, and I would tell you that we didn't make it out of the parking lot. But we did. It was the the car that didn't. I left the car parked in the mall parking lot and we traipsed across Fayetteville Street, Fayetteville Road and spent the night at the Hilton Garden Inn. If you figure out tickets, popcorn, and a hotel at about $200, it's the most, most expensive movie I've ever seen in my life. The experience left me saying a lot of things like, If I'd have only known that the snow was coming at noon. If I'd have only known. I I would be shocked if there was someone in this room who had not said at one point or another in their life, if I had only known, I would have done it differently. If I had only known, I wouldn't have eaten that food that upset my stomach. If I had only known the trip was going to cost so much, I might have stayed home. If I'd have only known the other person didn't have my best interests at heart, I might have handled the situation differently. But in this parable, we get a big, if I had only known, don't we? The rich man says, if I had only known, I think I would have lived differently. According to the passage and to tradition, he had a chance to know better. He took his chances. He lived his own way, and in the end, he didn't get what he thought he wanted. I think that's what this parable is about for those of us who hear it. There are times and instances when we should stop taking chances and start allowing our faith to come alive. There will be a time when, if I had only known, might not be enough anymore for all of us. It's a time for us to know that God is calling us for the sake of this world, for this church, for this community, and for our neighbors. For all of them are God's children. All of us are God's children. And none of us want to be stuck asking if I had only known or stating if I had only known. Now this is quite a parable. In 17 years of ministry, 17 plus years of ministry, I have to confess, I don't think I've ever preached, I know I've never preached, and I'm pretty sure I've never even taught like a youth Bible study on this parable. 
And it's quite possible that I was avoiding it. There's plenty of passages here for me to teach on. You can skip the ones that are inconvenient if you'd like. This parable also only appears in the Gospel of Luke. And its presence is one of the reasons why commentators who who have studied Scripture look at the Gospel of Luke and look at at Acts, its companion book written by the same author. And they, they say that that the role of money and possessions and the behavior in relation to them is a key feature of this gospel in that book. What's familiar about this story for us is it's a parable. We're comfortable with Jesus telling parables, and we know that Jesus teaches through stories. We know also, though, when Jesus is teaching and he's telling a story, we probably need to be aware that it's going to be a story that pushes us that challenges us a bit. At the very beginning of of, of standing here, I told you what's unique about this parable is it's an apocalypse, though. Typically, we think of end times with apocalypse, but it describes this parable as a wake-up call, a, a pulling back of the curtain to open our eyes to something we urgently need to see before it's too late. This parable is a picture of what might be and what could be. This is Jesus giving his listeners a chance to see what could happen and giving them the chance to not have to look back and say, if I had only known, which is the cry of the rich man in this passage. He thinks, if I had only known what would have happened after death, I would have lived differently on earth. If I had only known, I would have helped Lazarus, who I passed every day. If I had only known, I I could have cared better for the poor and for the needy. Because I didn't want to end up here. If I'd only known, I would have tried to save myself if I had the chance. He regrets his actions. And the reader sees that he had the chance to know better. The reader hears that we have the chance to know better. And Jesus' audience clearly sees that they need to not take a chance with their own life as well. In response to this vision of Lazarus, he says, can I save my family then? Can I help them? Is there something I can do for them? And he's told, look, they've got the same revelation that you have. They've got the same scriptures and the same tradition. What's clear is that this person was raised in the faith of Jesus' time? What makes you think that hearing from someone from the dead is going to help them too? In that, we hear echoes of resurrection. Someone who has come back from the dead to tell stories. What evidence do they have? Do you have that they don't have? If the evidence that's here is not enough, you won't enter the kingdom of God because ultimately you had your chance but you were more interested and devoted to yourself. You chose something else. And I pause here because that is a hard word to hear. We come in from all of these places outside of this, these walls and we want to sometimes just be encouraged and just be warmed with something, handed some spiritual candy that makes us feel good, and sometimes the Bible doesn't let us do that. 
So at least we can acknowledge that following Jesus is sometimes hard, can't we? And I think it's important to acknowledge that. I think it's important to think about passages like this that challenge us, challenge what we want, challenge what we think we know, challenge our everyday assumptions. And it's okay to acknowledge that they're hard, but that doesn't give us an excuse to ignore them. In fact, maybe these are the most important ones to listen to. Maybe these are the most important ones to listen to and to learn from because when we really think about it, are we going to learn very much? Are we going to grow very much by only listening to the things that affirm what we already believe about something? This is especially true about Scripture. If we knew it all, we wouldn't need Scripture, would we? We knew it all. We wouldn't need the church or the living presence of God to come alive in moments like this to, to teach us something that we didn't already know. If we knew it all, we wouldn't need those things. And so we listen carefully to a passage like this that pushes against us, that challenges us a little bit, that makes us squirm in our seats. Because maybe in the squirming there's room for God to squirm in and reach us as well. funny, by a total coincidence this week, Cam turned on the Lego movie one night. He turned it on while he was eating dinner, and I sat with him and watched the first few minutes of the movie. The, the bad guy, the villain in the Lego movie, is Lord Business, or President Business, as he's sometimes called. He owns a huge company, he runs everything, he has all the money, and he wants to take over the universe. He sounds like every supervillain in every movie we've ever watched, doesn't he? He's like a James Bond supervillain, or an Ocean's Eleven supervillain, or an Inspector Gadget supervillain, or the villain from The Incredibles, or from any Superman movie. They're all the same. The biggest villains in those stories are are big, rich, bad guys who want nothing but to take over the world for themselves. And, and sometimes, oftentimes actually, the villains in the gospel are the rich ones who don't pay attention to the needs of those who are around them. They live lavishly, lavishly, they store up in barns, and they find no way of seeing the things that are happening around them even right outside their very gates. They ignore what Scripture says needs to be done for those around them and, ignoring, and in ignoring the Scriptures, They end up oblivious to the needs on their very doorstep. They are the villains. They are the bad guys in Lego movie terms. They are the Lord businesses. And you don't want to be them. And the reason I know that is because you're here. You don't want to ignore your neighbor. That's why you come listen to what God has to challenge you about. You don't want your faith to only exist in your head. That's why you come to worship and to sing and to pray and to be led and taught. You don't want to end up like the rich man in this parable. I am sure of it. And that's why there's a warning here for us, because we don't want to end up like him. All of us here do fit the bill of being wealthy. It's a fact of the world we live in. We have more means. And the warning to us then is to just simply pay attention to what's around us, 
For Jesus, the warning, as Robert talked about earlier, the warning is not about wealth, but the accumulation of wealth while ignoring that which is around us. The thing about wealth is that when we're not careful, we don't see how the gospel calls us to take care of one another. When we're not careful, we fail to see how our wealth can be leveraged to help others. And when we're not paying attention, we can become wealthy, but we can fail to be generous. We can collect, accumulate, think about our individual needs, but when God has given us, but, but what God has given us, in scripture and in tradition and in a community of believers to be with is a group of people to help us see the way that, that our wealth also needs to help those who are at our doorsteps and around the corner and in the community and in our world. When we fail to use ourselves and our resources to provide for those who have great need, we are taking a risk. And when we fail in attending to somebody else or ignore the call that, that lets our faith be put into action, we're taking a risk and moving one day closer to the fate that this rich man experienced in Jesus' story. Because when we fail to pay attention, we risk seeing Lazarus, we risk missing Lazarus right at our doorstep. Doorstep. I believe in a big God who has lots of grace. It was a typo when I typed it, but when I typed grace as I was writing my sermon, I typed it with a capital G. I believe in a capital G grace from God. A big grace for all of God's children, including us, especially us. And in saying that, I believe that the thief on the cross is there with Jesus in paradise today. I believe that deathbed confessions are legitimate. And I believe that you can slide under the closing garage door like a superhero in an action movie. And God will still let you in. God will still welcome you. But calculating the right time to turn in our lives calculating the right moment to change things and start attending to people that, the God, that God has put around us is probably not the best way for us to live our lives. It's not what you and I are called to today. Today, we are called, we're urged, we're begged to start living differently than the rich man in this parable. Listen to this parable as if you are one of those five brothers who still hear, who still needs a message. And discern what opportunity God is giving you to change your life moving forward. Listen to this parable today and realize that God is calling you to act. Listen to this parable today and realize, know that maybe this is your if-I-had-only-known moment. Listen to what God is calling you to today as we pray together. Gracious God, loving God, we give you thanks for the many blessings that we each experience in our lives. 
We're thankful for blessings financial and material. We're thankful for the comforts that we have, that we call our own. We're thankful, Lord, for the blessings of people in our lives who love us and care for us and who gather with us as your church. Lord, we are a blessed people in many ways, if not in every way. Lord, we're even blessed because when things are hard and difficult, we know that you're with us. And we feel you with us. We feel the way that your church carries us through difficult things. And so, Lord, as a blessed people today, help us to be a people who provide blessing and care and love and attend to the needs that you have given us, the needs of those around us that you have given to us. Lord, may we be people who attend to the needs of this church, of one another, of this community, and of the places in this world where you have called others to go that we need to support. Lord, help us attend to the needs of your kingdom as blessed people. Because, Lord, we don't want to be like the rich man. If we did, we wouldn't be here. And, Lord, we don't want Lazarus to go unhelped. If we did, we wouldn't be here. So, Lord, reach into our hearts. Help us to see how you are calling each of us forward to respond to the faith that we have because of you to minister to the world around us that you have given us. Because all who are here, all who are a part of this world are your children that you love and that we love. Lord, we give thanks that in asking you to lead us as we pray, you will respond. You will lead us forward and you will carry us and help us through. For that we give great thanks and it is in your name that we pray today. Amen.